Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. You know, every week we try to bring you a church leader who will both inspire and equip you. And today it's our privilege to have Father Wojciech with us. He is uh, at St. Clement Parish, just a dynamic Catholic community in the Archdiocese of, of Chicago that really strives to accompany people in a transforming relationship with Jesus and his church. Uh, they offer support, prayer, community groups, including Alpha, which is actually where um, you know, Father Peter and I bumped into each other, was at the Alpha Leadership Conference in London. And I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Father, thanks for being here. Well, thank, for, thank you for having me. And I'm super excited to have this conversation nice. with you. Good. Well, fill out the picture. What did I miss about the parish? Kind of give us a sense of the community. Talk us through that. Absolutely. So, you know, Chicago, obviously, it's a large city with a lot of different communities serving uh, different um, markets, if you will, different uh, mm-hmm. parts of uh, of Chicago, from Latino to African-American, all the way to um, the community that I serve, which is in Lincoln Park. So that's Kind of close to downtown Chicago, uh, we are close mm. to the lake in a in a quite uh, old neighborhood, and it was a historically German uh, community that established its church 125 years ago, and uh, it really was an immigrant community that was rather poor and um, lived in a what at that point was really a rough part of the city, and I had this dream mm. of creating a community in which their children will be saved, they can educate their children Mm -hmm. and come together in faith. And we've been continuing that. And somehow by God's grace over the last, you know, um, 125 years, this community just kept growing and, and, and uh, attracting different uh, groups of people. And in about seventies and eighties, it became kind of a hub for a lot of Mm. uh, people who didn't quite feel connected with the church or especially in the Catholic Mm. church who didn't quite find their space. And um, Mm -hmm. and they loved it here. And um, Mm -hmm. they now became our older population, if you will. (laughs) And, uh, but, but they really build a foundation around few principles, right? First one is that we welcome everyone. Uh, We we actually do believe that everybody has the right to uh, come to Jesus and, and, and that's mm-hmm. how the faith and conversion journey starts, is by experiencing His love and mercy. So they, they were mm-hmm. very, they were really passionate about making sure we do that. The second thing was, you know, uh, inclusivity, knowing that that uh, everyone not only was invited to be part of it, but everybody was invited to be a leader. And so I think the diversity mm-hmm. of our leaders was really important. And the third one was really empowerment. You know, one mm-hmm. of my predecessors. Uh, Father uh, Fahey was just a brilliant man when it came to just allowing people to do new things. And uh, when I mm. hear the stories of this community, it was at that time that they really tried some very new methods. I mean, this was one mm. of the first communities in a Catholic church here in Chicago that constituted the lay council of people that helped oh, okay. the pastor actually to make all the decisions and so forth. Wow. So there were a lot of things that they started doing early on. And so my job now as a pastor is to make sure we don't screw it up and we keep doing the same. 
<laughs> I love it. How long have you been uh, at the at St. Clement? So I've been a pastor here. This is my third year uh, yeah. running the place, and eleventh uh, eleventh year of living here. I I moved okay. uh, here eleven years ago, so I had kind of a really great benefit of living in in the parish and uh, helping here on the weekends as I work in the archdiocese. And then three years ago, I transitioned into serving Love here full time. Love it. Well, you know, Father Peter, there there was a, a bunch that I heard you talk about at the conference that that grabbed my attention. And, you know, I was, you know, really struck again that, you know, wow, like we, all churches may look different. Uh, we might have, you know, slightly different approaches to our worship experience or whatever that is. But man, we're struggling with the similar things. You know, we're trying we're trying to figure out how we can point people to Jesus. What does that look like in our context? And 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 one of the things that that struck me was particularly your church's focus on uh, next generation, reaching out to young people. Can you tell us a little bit of that story? What what's happened there over these last few years? Well. Uh, First and foremost, I think there is a distinct difference between millennials, Gen Z, and Gen Alpha. Mm. I think uh, not all the young people are the same, and you got yes. to kind of step back and recognize it first as a church mm-hmm. leader and say, well, which, 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 which group do I have? You know, what mm-hmm. are the millennials in my community? What are the Gen Zs? What, what is Gen Alpha, the youngest generation? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and kind of figure out first those, those, those groups. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would uh, summarize them. Uh, in a very simple way, and it's a very generic mm-hmm. way. So uh, there's probably <laughs> more expensive ways to do it, right? But yes, <laughs> but, but, but in many ways, I think um, millennials, by large, are post-Christian generation in decent United States, at least in the cities like Chicago. They mm-hmm. chose not to be part of organized religion. They don't see yep. organized religion as a pathway in many ways to experience mm-hmm. God. They experience God in, in different ways if they entertain mm-hmm. that thought. And so there's this hardship of breaking through all those uh, mm-hmm. shelves, if you will, of why not to engage uh, with God, mm. specifically through organized religions. So that's one approach, and we try mm. that. We, we keep going at it. Mm-hmm. But, but with millennial, uh, with Gen Z, it's a little bit different because I, I would uh, really talk about them as pre-Christian generation. They, they were raised mm. by people my age. They are not, mm-hmm. um, they're not really deeply uh, religious by any stretch, but they are longing mm-hmm. for spirituality. They are longing to be mm-hmm. recognized. They are longing to contribute uh, to a common good. They want to do good things. Um, mm-hmm. They actually do like the sense of community and belonging. They are the most isolated mm-hmm. generation together with millennials mm-hmm. that we know of. And so mm-hmm. there is this natural longing. And unlike millennials, they didn't refuse to be part of the church. They never had a chance to be part mm-hmm. of the church. Oh, their, that's their parents good. never brought them to church. So when you start with them and you work with them, you have to recognize that as, as a starting point, they actually don't care what church they go to as long as you offer belonging, as long as mm. you listen to them, as long as mm. there's opportunity for them to actually serve bigger community. And then that mm. you really authentically want them to move in the right direction, which for us as mm. Christian leaders is a direction toward Jesus, right? If we mm. actually do it in an in a organized and thoughtful way, uh, I, I think there is a great opportunity for us to engage mm. that generation. And so mm. that really has been our story here at St. Clement. Mm. You know, because it's Lincoln Park, we have this incredible number of uh, Gen Z around uh, young people mm-hmm. who are coming off college or year two years post-college. Mm-hmm. They're in our neighborhood. 
And, you know, we, we just simply keep saying, come and belong. Just try mm-hmm. belonging. Before you mm-hmm. try faith, before you try your belief in Jesus, just come and try belonging. You know, Alpha became such a big tool for us because we've seen the consequences of it. We've seen people coming and kind of just strolling in, uh, you know, because they saw signs. So our welcomers were outside welcoming people to come to Alpha and they would talk to people passing by and they said, well, what are you doing? And they're like, well, we run this course. And they said, I'm not Christian, but I can come. And so every course we run, we got people actually from the sidewalk in because they oh, were that's just amazing. kind of interested. Now, I would never do that. I am a huge introvert. You know, I'm in my 40s. There's no way I would go to yes. it. But that's yeah, I the get difference. It. And you have to pay attention just because you as a leader wouldn't do it. That oh, that's good. doesn't mean that Gen Zs won't do it. It's not about mm-hmm. you and your preferences. It's about mm-hmm. them and their preferences. And I think that's what's mm-hmm. so important is to step back as Christian leaders and ask ourselves, you know, are we focusing on our way of doing ministry? Are we focusing mm. on what Jesus wants to do with that generation and try to keep learning about that generation, mm-hmm. how to create as many openings for them to experience God through community as possible? Yeah, I love that. I, I love this idea and of, you know, hey, we're asking, we're inviting Gen Z to really, and you didn't quite say it like this, but so correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but it's like, hey, we, we're inviting you to belong before you believe. And I think there was a previous generation, right, where it was the other way around. It was like, you've got to believe these things first before we'll let you in the building. I just, I think that's great. What what else, how else have you done that as a, as a church, as a community to try to create an inviting place, create an inviting culture where people can belong, uh, where those Gen Z folks can can be a part of the community? We've, we've done a number of things that were pretty systematic and we hold ourselves accountable mm-hmm. to those forces, mm-hmm. you know, just the outside appearance of the place. You, you might think it's mm-hmm. not important, but actually it is. If, mm-hmm. you know, if your worship space in our, you know, we have a historic church. If the mm-hmm. church looking from um, outside, inside looks dead, if there's, you know, if mm-hmm. our dress is dead and there's no flowers and so forth. What it shows is that it's a place that is actually not important to anybody, that nobody cares about the place. So first strategy we had is our campus looks great. And it doesn't just look great for the sake of the campus. It looks like a place that is very important to a lot of people. That's one. Second second thing that we've done is we have signs all over the place to simply say, you know, everyone is invited. We are passionate about belonging and Mm -hmm. we want to invite you in to to be part of the conversation. Right. So before, Mm -hmm. again, um, I think that was so important what what you said before we jump into uh, conversation about Jesus, we start with conversation about themselves. Right. What's your purpose? your identity, who, who right. you are, and, and, and listening to them first. Third one is, we, we especially around summer, we have a lot of summer opportunities. Here in Chicago, we developed mm. something we call Theology on Tap, which is really kind of a beer evening. And so we have mm-hmm. pizza and beer and wine, and we invite young people to come for four weeks in the road. In our case, it's uh, Tuesdays mm-hmm. in July. And basically, we say, hey, come. Um, we'll have a big party and then we have a speaker. And um, this year, our topic of those four weeks is purpose. Um, how mm. to find purpose. Again, 70% of young adults don't know what their purpose is. So mm-hmm. this is one way in which we want to help them, whether they choose to be part of our congregation or not. 
-hmm. we kind of don't care. We feel like as disciples <laughs> of Jesus, we are co-responsible each other to have good lives anyway. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. our way to do it is to simply help pe young people to reflect on how to find purpose and how to discover purpose for themselves. So we'll spend four weeks out of that. So, so we usually mm -hmm. get somewhere between um, uh, 190 to 300 people. At, that's uh, amazing. That's at amazing. That's incredible. Right. And that's a nice way of introducing them, helping them to meet other young adults, especially we focus mm -hmm. on uh, new people in the city, right? Uh, trying mm -hmm. to invite them to participate. So we push it as much as we can through social media and, and other mm -hmm. channels. And then as a, as a follow-up to it, in August, we have a three-week course that actually Alpha developed um, that mm -hmm. is uh, called Ever Wonder. And it really is developed for the generation, for Gen Zs, and it's on belonging, purpose, and identity. And so it's very similar to Alpha. You come, you watch a video for 15 minutes, it's a very short video, and then you have a 30-minute small group conversation. And again, we'll do it outside. And and it's just a way for people to, to get more comfortable talking about mm -hmm what is in their hearts with other people. Because uh, what's interesting is the younger generation folks, they're great at technology. They're not great at talking about mm. themselves with oh, other people. That's so good. we create a space for them to really have comfortable conversations. And that really leads to our fall programming. So we have, we have four alpha for people who want to, you know, engage in exploration of faith. We have, mm -hmm. uh, we have, uh, uh, our Lydia course, you know, taken from mm -hmm. the Axe. Uh, so mm -hmm. specifically for professional women, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a way for professional women to grow in community. We have about mm -hmm. 600 women in that group. And That's then, um, and then the last one is the men's executive speaker series. And again, it kind of mm -hmm. will continue this topic of finding purpose as, as, uh, uh, men in, in leadership. And so, so there's pathways in which we try to build on the sense of belonging and welcome and keep inviting people to return, but also keep inviting mm -hmm. them to bring friends because it's an easy way to get engaged. Mm -hmm. But there's so much there. That was like a masterclass. I love that. I love the the intentionality. I love the, hey, we're kind of building through the summer. I love the idea of the church as a social platform. Like I think that is a powerful idea that I think, um, you know, I think some, we, we may forget about that in, in a lot of our churches that something like, you know, theology on tap, you know, a number of churches to do things like that, that, that obviously there's a lot going on there, but a part of that is actually just providing a way for, for people to connect. And then I love how you're kind of weaving purpose through all of those to kind of lead people from one, you know, to the next. How did this start though? Like, so, I, you know, I, I, that's a tremendous amount of momentum that's already begun, begun there. Has it just always been the case? I love the history, the fact that, you know, St. Clement has been an innovative parish, has been a kind of church that that is trying new things. Uh, was there any innovation that kind of got this ball rolling that ended up saying, you know, hey, we've kind of been an inflection point to reach more, sure. uh, you know, younger generation? Well, I think COVID in many cases accelerated the need uh, mm. because we've been reading so much. Uh, mm -hmm. during COVID and post-COVID about how high was the level of isolation and, mm -hmm. uh, and loneliness, in, um, especially among young adults. And um, mm -hmm. the Surgeon General here in the United States just published mm -hmm. a study on isolation. And it was a striking thing he said. He said in it, you know, um, being isolated equals 
health-wise to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Yeah, that's, that's, wasn't that crazy? Uh, that was isn't unbelievable that something when I saw like that. That, yeah, that really is the impact loneliness yep. have on your heart and your life. Yes. And so we yes. felt really passionate to say, listen, we, we are going to do anything we can to keep saying you are welcome. We want you to be part of the community mm-hmm. and we want to meet you wherever you are. And so part of um, that, that really was, was the beginning of it. And the second thing is we, we really engage a small group of young adults, I would say about 30 of them. Mm-hmm. And we really started a listening to them, talking with them and praying with mm-hmm. them. And we said, what would Love it look it. like for you to minister to, to other young adults, right? And, mm-hmm. and that group from 20 grew to about 120 young leaders now, mm-hmm. which is doing incredible amount of work every week. And so um, you can see how now they, uh, they're shifted, right, from being customers of services, which really struggle in the Catholic church. A lot of people come and they, you know, they kind of treat the church as a provider of services. So they come when they want a service Mm. and there Mm. will be a customer. And then when they don't need the service, they're out, right? Versus then being part of the community that develops and changes and, and fosters a spiritual life. And so that was our big goal around the adults is to move them from what the culture teaches them they are, mm-hmm. which is customers, to really being mm-hmm. kind of collaborators in bringing mission together. And uh, it, it was incredible to watch that shift early on about hmm. two, three years ago when they really started driving, you know, first courses, mm-hmm. alpha, book clubs, all the stuff that they thought was relevant for young people their age. And now they, they really are driving and building more courses mm-hmm. around it. Love and, it. Um, you know, after alpha, we have three different choices people can choose from. Um, as, as to engage more in faith or more in community. And the beauty of it is that at this point, I, I would say at least 90% of all our leaders are younger than 35. Wow. That's amazing. That's incredible. Like that's very unique. That's, uh, you know, there's lots of churches that would love that, but haven't been able to engage at that level. That's incredible. Well, I think it's it's really empowering people and calling them to it. I I, I, I mm. think, really believe every church can do it. But where you have to step back is to say, okay, do, do we really need them? Are we going to empower <laughs> them and really uh, listen to them? And third, yeah. are we going to be okay with the fact that not everything will be perfect, that they will make mm. mistakes? They're young mm-hmm. adults in their 20s. There are some mm-hmm. things they will do really well, and there are some things they won't do well at all. But that's mm, part that's of good. the collective learning. And if you don't mm-hmm. create that space for them to learn how to do ministry better, if you only want to keep rescuing them and fixing and improving, then mm. what happens is they get discouraged and they say, well, you don't need us. Right. Wow. That's good. I, w- I was going to ask that. Was there in that listening process or maybe as you've been launching, was there either like a surprise that you're like, hmm, I wouldn't have naturally thought or I wouldn't have come to that conclusion that they kind of, they tilted the ministry towards? Or has there been like a, a stubbed toe moment that's been like, oh, we <laughs> maybe it didn't go quite as well uh, as we were thinking it would? There, there were a number of those moments. We, we actually just recently serviced some of our leaders specifically mm-hmm. as we are working on our strategic plan. And uh, and we were able to dig into some of the data and it shows a great uh, difference between how young adults perceive faith, religion, and the role of the church versus other generations. I'll give you a few mm-hmm. examples. So mm-hmm. one of the examples was to um, propose some of our values that they think are very important to our community. 
And mm. so everybody over 50 as one of the top five values uh, selected uh, progressive. Mm. None of the young adults selected progressive. Um, interesting. And that was very huh. interesting because, again, and, and then we dig in into conversation with young adults and we say, why was that? And they said, listen, the world as we live in is crazy enough. We don't want now the church to become equally crazy. Would we actually hmm. come here so we find some enduring presence of God? So we find connection to a bigger history. So we find hmm. here some connectivity and deeper sense of belonging to something that is tradition-driven and that is 2,000 years old versus right. three months old. Like we are just right. done with trends that change every three months. And wow. so that is a very large driving, I think, energy for young hmm. adults is they, they're really not attracted by fleshy new technologies because that's what they have on their phones every single day. What they're hmm. looking for is really a thoughtful space when they can come and really have a conversation about things that don't change because those hmm. are the things you can build your lives around, mm -hmm. uh, not the things that change every single year because th those are mm -hmm. so fleeting that they're just tired of it. So, so we've hmm. learned that, that you know, we, what we have to do with young adults is we have to lead uh, with, with really a little bit more teaching and, and leading mm -hmm. them into understanding why we do certain things and that there is a meaning in all of it. And as they mm -hmm. embrace the meaning, as they unpack some of those topics and conversations, it seems like they're very willing to invite other people. The other thing that was mm -hmm. just blew my mind is the fact that for, I think, Gen Z's and Gen Alpha now, religion mm -hmm. is not private. In the United States, religion has mm -hmm. been private for yeah, ever true. and ever. But the yep. problem is technology, right? Took all the mm -hmm. privacy away from things that were always private. Kitchen was private. There was never a door mm -hmm. the kitchen. Now, That's a good kitchen concepts, The kitchens are all open. Anybody who comes yeah. to, your, to your house <laughs> sees your kitchen first. That was private 30 years ago. Yes. What you eat was private. Now it's, you know, how your closet looked like was private. Now yes. everybody has, you know, videos in their closets <laughs> with their clothes. So all the things that traditionally were private are not private anymore. Now that That's is true. the opportunity for the church to say, yes. listen, your kitchen is not private. So isn't your religion. Your religion mm -hmm. actually is pretty up there in a public mm -hmm. square. And so why don't we mm -hmm. engage in this conversation in a in, in much more public way? And I think Gen Z's are actually not afraid to do it. We see it with Alpha. They keep inviting their not church-going friends with no mm -hmm. problem, the way that I would really hesitate, and they don't. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. I love that. That's some, there's some fascinating insights there, uh, you know, that I've that resonates with some of the the work we've done and then some of the research we've done and stuff, you know, I've seen with the churches I, you know, work with, particularly, you know, this whole invite culture thing is a massive deal, you know, the difference we we say in our circles, you know, the difference between a plateaued or or stuck church and a growing church is growing churches train, equip and mobilize their or motivate their people to invite their friends that they you know, they, they don't just leave that to chance. They try to find, they try to do things and frame things in a way that makes it easy for them to invite. Um, and it sounds like you're seeing that definitely with Alpha and other aspects of your ministry. Maybe talk more about that. What, is, what does that look like for your, for your church? You know, how, you know, how are you cultivating that kind of culture? Is there, what, what, what are you doing to try to encourage, you know, Gen Z or Gen Alpha to, to invite? In order for them to invite, they have to be comfortable that the places they invite people will be embracing them mm -hmm. as they are, 
and mm-hmm. will really focus on listening and respecting their perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. What people mm-hmm. want to invite people is to places mm-hmm. where they think they will be uh, put down or disrespected or somebody mm-hmm. would be unkind to them and so forth. And so I think, um, you know, in a, in a Catholic church from the tradition I'm coming from, part of our um, struggle always was that we had a lot of programming that was very deep theologically mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. rooted in our tradition. And therefore, if you were deep theologically, you had a lot of options to participate mm. and deepen your faith. But if you didn't, there was really mm. no starting place for you, right? There was just mm. no easy entry point. Mm. And so um, I kind of use the analogy of the pool. And I would say, you know, if you don't have somebody who knows how to swim, they would never jump into 10-foot <clears throat> pool because right. uh, if it's 10 feet uh, deep, they would just drown. But if there mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, 10 inches of water, they would put their their feet in it mm. and i think that's mm-hmm. what happens with the churches the, the churches have to have some really shallow entry opportunities that are very <laughs> important for community creation for belonging for comfort that will keep uh, leading people deeper and deeper and deeper into sense of belonging and for us we kind of re- discovered through our own trial and error uh, way of doing things is that uh, basically people are uh, there's kind of three basic entry points for for us here. One mm-hmm. is Alpha, that's our biggest one. The second mm-hmm. one is the specifically around women and men ministry, just because our mm-hmm. spirituality is so different. And what mm-hmm. we found is that when the men are alone, they share much mm-hmm. more freely. And also right. that um, the professional women really appreciate a place where they are not compared to professional men. They just mm. are being focused on their own and, and appreciate mm-hmm. it for who they are. And mm-hmm. so, so, so those are kind of, this is one, one place is alpha. Second would be kind of those gender-based ministries um, mm-hmm. that, that <laughs> also are uh, social, there's social element, there's community element, and there's small mm-hmm. group element to it. And the third one is service, right? That that we do actually a lot of service here, a lot of opportunities, but we out of service try to invite people into engagement in the community. So we do some kind of service every single week um, mm-hmm. around uh, St. Clement or in one of our partner organizations. And we just keep inviting people to engage in that or engage in sports. We do a lot of open gym and a lot of sports. And so that's mm. another way for people to jump in. So it's social or service. And what yeah. we discover is that once people get into one of those basic ways of engaging, then out of that, we can invite them to a deeper kind of sense of belonging. And, and what we recognize is that, you know, when, when people go through this first step, usually what they have kind of three different desires that we try to meet. One is they really want to learn more about the Word of God, Scripture. So we have mm-hmm. always after mm-hmm. Alpha offer mm-hmm. Bible courses mm-hmm. as a way for people to actually learn more about uh, the Word of yep. God. Second is we come to recognize that people really want to do more learning about Jesus. And so we use the Chosen series. We design mm. a curriculum around it, and, and it's called Following Jesus. And so we, mm-hmm. we kind of look at characteristics of discipleship. And the mm-hmm. third one, we specifically look, you know, in, in our own tradition around kind of some principles of Catholicism, of sacraments and stuff, for people who mm-hmm. really want to develop more of a understanding of who we are as a church. And so it seems like uh, we, we highly encourage after the entry points, if you will, that people will stay together as a small group as much as possible. And I think right now about 70% of 
our alpha groups actually stay together for the next offering. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Huh. I love that. I love the, I heard you mentioned the chosen, um, you know, what you do there. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Cause I, I that's a really innovative idea. And, you know, I, I seem, that would seem like a great kind of next step out of alpha for sure. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Well, we, we, you know, everybody, when Chosen came up, everybody loved Chosen and, and yeah, talk about it a lot. And we yeah. thought, well, why don't we use it the same way as a tool mm-hmm. we use Alpha? And so we, we kind of did precisely the same thing. We It starts, you know, we welcome people. We have hospitality for our evening group. We have dinner for morning group. We have breakfast. Then they watch the episode of Chosen. And then uh, we divide them into small groups for 30 minutes and they have a discussion. And as Alpha is an entry to a Christianity, chosen, mm-hmm. we, we treat chosen as an entry to discipleship. So we kind of look at different mm-hmm. episodes and people's interaction with Jesus. And we say, okay, what shifted in people's lives because of their mm-hmm. interaction with Jesus? What changes in the life of the disciple? And then therefore, what should change in our lives once we encounter Jesus? So it becomes more of a discipleship course when we are invited not only to observe what happened to other other lives and, and you know mm-hmm. the people who lived in the time of jesus but also what would do this you know how our lives will shift because mm-hmm. of our encounter with jesus today yeah i love that that's so i i'm like probably bad because i'm like cynical of so much christian media i'm like oh, it's just all so terrible and so when the chosen came out i was like a, i was a late comer to that i was like dragged into it but I find it so compelling. It is so, it just, you know, sucks me in and, and it sends me back to scripture and sends me back to my relationship with Jesus. And, you know, I find it, I get moved emotionally when I watch it. That's what a cool, cool idea. I just think that's, that's fantastic. Um, can you talk a little bit about the community service thing? That's a common trait we see in, in lots of growing churches is they're not the kind of place. I think there's this common notion that, which is not true. The stereotype of like a growing church is the kind of place that's like, they're just all about themselves. They're inward focused. They're, you know, they're just, it's just trying to gather people in a box somewhere. That's not the case. They're actually places that are, that are moving people to actually serve. Talk to us, maybe just unpack that a little bit. What does that look like for you guys? Absolutely. So, so, you know what, we, we actually seriously try to live out Matthew 28. I, I think the great commission is not only mm. go and make disciples, um, mm. by proclaiming Jesus Christ, that is mm-hmm. extremely important. We try to do it every day, but also mm-hmm. by, by really helping people to recognize how Jesus cares for them. And it's very, yeah. you know, when you go to shelters, when you go to um, uh, um, serve the homeless, before you talk to, to them about Jesus, you, you have to kind of ask them simple questions. You know, mm-hmm. do you need a doctor? Do you need help? Mm-hmm. Uh, how, mm-hmm. how are you feeling? Um, mm-hmm. And all those basic questions that, that, that Jesus would ask first before he tells mm-hmm. them about the Father. Mm-hmm. We have examples of it in the scripture. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I think Jesus modeled all of that for, all of them yes. for us. And so I think that's what we try to do. We, we do believe that in order to grow, we always have to be outward focused. That, that, that yeah, the only reason why we form disciples, why we lead them into transforma- transformation in Jesus is so then they can help others to encounter the same, the same gift. And it, it is exercise in generosity. And so St. Clement was very blessed to partner with other Christian churches about 30 years ago to establish a Lincoln Park community shelter. And mm-hmm. uh, we've been one of the partner organizations that started that organization mm-hmm. and we've been supporting it ever since. So we have mm-hmm. uh, groups that uh, do meals and help in the shelter. We have um, 
legal clinic that helps uh, refugee um, uh, communities. Mm-hmm. We uh, mm-hmm. partner with Catholic charities and sponsoring refugee families, and so we have meals. Mm-hmm. Right now, we have a whole train meals um, that delivers meals to uh, folks in uh, in our police stations where the mm-hmm. uh, immigrants are leaving, really. Uh, oh, okay. Who, uh, wow cross the border and were brought here mm-hmm. on the buses and now they have no places mm-hmm. to go. And so so there's many ways in which every day young people uh, can engage in, mm-hmm. in really very practical and necessary service. And then here on our campus every Friday morning, we welcome our homeless neighbors for hospitality, for breakfast, and then we have lunches for them. And, and again, it's, 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 you know, because we have a Catholic school, it's a great way for our young kids in the school. We have our middle school uh, kids not only make sandwiches, but they also serve breakfast mm-hmm. or homeless friends and so forth. And so it's a way really for community to say, listen, that's what discipleship is. You mm-hmm. come, you get to know Jesus, you worship Jesus, the worship transforms your heart and you cannot mm-hmm. help but you overflow with generosity and you have to. You have to recognize mm-hmm. the generosity toward other people, especially those who are less fortunate than you are mm-hmm. if you are a disciple of Jesus. Love it. This has been so fantastic, Father Peter. I really appreciate your generosity of being with us today. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share just as we kind of wrap up today's episode? You know, we, we, we always love to serve. So if there's people mm-hmm. who kind of listen to it and say, I'm intrigued and makes absolutely no sense to me. Well, welcome to my cloud. That's what my team says every single day when I tell them something. They say, it sounds okay. We don't know what you mean. Um, yes. But that's why that's why we have a great team. So if, if anyone you know needs support or, or kind of unpacking, just reach out to us. We'll be happy to walk you through it. Uh, but, but I just, I really believe that the revival is happening, that the Holy Spirit, awakening a church to a new chapter uh, leading us to 2033 and and I, I do believe that there is this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is fresh that is new uh, that is really renewing the church and I just hope we we are humble enough to recognize it uh, interested enough to enter into it and trusting enough to follow the movement of the Holy Spirit and I think it's for the whole church that's the beauty of it that's so good. Well, where do we want to send people online, uh, Father, if they want to track with you, track with the church? Where, where do we want to send them? So we just visit clement.org is our website. We we have, uh, you know, it's social media. You can follow mm-hmm. us on our social media. Uh, it's a Chicago priest. I don't know how mm-hmm. in the world I got that one. but Oh, that's amazing. Uh, it, was, it was, I guess, early in the market. Uh, <laughs> and, and then our website, clement.org, there's a lot of information. You can pull our information, reach out to us. We'd love to help anybody who needs help. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate you being on today. Thank you for your time. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.